You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. So we're the show where we try to help you as a business leader do more and uh, think about better ways to show up to, for the benefit of your folks and the organizations you might be leading. Today, I've got a guest who's going to help us with some uh, extra tips and ideas for leaders, a little bit about best practices, a lot about time and finding your time back. I think that's a, a critical consideration we all struggle with at, from time to time. Her name is Cheryl Lynn Mobley. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate the invitation to join you. Give us a, a little bit of, of framework and, and sort of uh, anchor points. Uh, how did you come into this work you're doing as an executive coach and, and the, the kind of focused topic areas that you're dealing with? Yeah, great question. I would love to be able to tell everybody I had this all planned out. I had a trajectory. I had goals. That's not the way it worked, right? <laughs> um, I actually did everything humanly possible not to end up being a hospital president. I literally told the person who ultimately asked me, don't ask me, I don't want to do it, right? And so then a year or two later, he asks me. And I was like, really, really, you're going to ask me? <laughs> so I ended up, obviously, a whole lot of life before this, but I ended up serving as a hospital president for five years. And it was an amazing experience. We had a fabulous team, did incredible work. Were we perfect? No, because we're all still breathing, right? You know, I mean, that does, <laughs> we will always make mistakes. But we operated at what was in healthcare is called 99% top performance, meaning that when you're judged against all the other hospitals in the country on set metrics, how do you do? And our hospital consistently stayed at that level. And people would say, you make it look easy. What do you do? And I was like, well... Okay. And that was kind of my first cue that it wasn't happening for everybody else. And your brain knows that, right? Not everybody can live at 99th percentile. Otherwise, it's a really tiny little area. But I had a couple of my folks go out to different outside events. And separately, one clinical, one non-clinical, they both came back inside of a week and said to me, I like our bubble because it's really bad out there. And the stuff that's happening out there would never happen here. And that was really kind of my nudge that it's like, you know, there are other leaders and other organizations that want to live at 99th percentile performance. And they're not, not because they don't want to, just they don't know how, or they feel like they're so bombarded with the daily stuff, they can't lift their head up enough to go, how do I get there? And so what I did, and this was so hard, is I sat down and I looked at the other leaders around me who were all wonderful leaders and I go, what did we do differently? you know, as a, as a leader, as a team, as an organization, because we had to do something different to get different results, right? And so what we did was we created this B99 guiding questions framework, which is really a series of puzzle pieces that I identified. This is what how we showed up differently, what we paid attention to, what we ignored. And so it's, it's I'm really good with annoying questions. So it's all in questions, right? <laughs> Oh, and it, it's questions to ask yourself as a leader or as an individual contributor or a team, whether you're ad hoc or a fixed team, and as an organization. And at its heart is congruence, because if you're not congruent on all of them, it doesn't matter. You can't rock one and be wretched at the other and expect that you're going to get to 99th percentile performance. So my nudge was really, I need to go out and help others who want to do this. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before about the whole buying speed concept. You know, we're all finite resources. We don't have bottomless amounts of time. 
And so it's like what you choose to do or not do makes all the difference in the world. So it's really around how can I support leaders who want to get there with a proven framework, regardless of their industry, to help them do that. So that's really how I came to do this. It was not planned <laughs> at all. Uh, it just it felt like an obligation, I guess, is the best way to put it. As you were talking about that 99 question idea and your statement about you you can't rock one and, and be really bad at another, I, I, I looked in your background, you have a, a, a bicycle image hung on the wall there <laughs> for those who are, who are uh, just listening via audio stream. And it reminded me of a classic coaching tool that most of us have in our tool bag, the Wheel of Life, where you ask people to look at the different segments and areas that are that make up their existence and sort of score and grade and and that wheel does the same thing if you're mm -hmm. really rocking out on a couple of areas but you're really struggling in some others it's an unbalanced wheel and just like a bicycle it's mm -hmm. going to be a bumpy ride <laughs> <laughs> yes and it's hard work it's kind of like it's kind of like rocking on a flat tire it's hard you know, it's like I was riding a bicycle on a long distance ride once and I'm like, why is this so difficult? And I'm like, ah, my tire's flat. That'll do it. Right. <laughs> you know, makes it a lot harder than it needs to be. And there's enough difficulty without us making our own. Well, what, one thought also, as you were telling your backstory, the, the notion of working in the healthcare, specifically a hospital location, um, every hospital I've ever known operates with a kind of a matrix organization. Mm. And, and that is an extra layer of complexity. Some might say is adds to the exponential difficulty factor of, uh, <laughs> of creating an organization that can rate well and, and perform well and, and, and be highly regarded. So without taking too big a detour, can you touch on, things you experienced with that sort of matrix element of having to run the organization? Well, and it's it's even in addition to that, because I was president of a hospital as part of a large healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So there was like at least 15 other hospital presidents at the time and a lot of other leaders of a lot of other organizations. So we, you know, myself and my senior team, we live not only in our hospital responsibilities, but also at corporate. Right, so responsible for strategic planning and efforts to move us forward. On an individual kind of hospital level, one of the things that we had in place was that everyone was expected to understand not only the impact of what they did, but the impact of what other people did and how it ran together. Because if you don't understand that, and you think it's just your piece, it's like, well, no, back to your analogy, you know, kind of a, whether it's, you know, the wheels bumpy, it's like, no, we all need to, we're all required for this. And so it was kind of a constant conversation of how important each individual person and role was merged with, we're so interconnected. If one of us drops the ball, we all, it, you know, it's bad. <laughs> and for us, one of the things that I would say to people that was kind of our rallying cry, and this is how we made decisions and how we lived as a group of people together, is that my goal was that we would be the absolute best place in the world to both give and receive care. And if we were thinking about something or somebody posed an idea that didn't fit with that, it was an easy no. <laughs> I mean, why would we go that way? And so that framework too for people 
was something that was top of mind for everybody. So when people would come up with fabulous ideas, we would say, does it fit with that? And it would be yes or no. If it's a yes, let's keep going, right? And the other thing we did was celebrate people and praise them and let them know how well regarded our outcomes were because of them. So we would praise them at the corporate level. We would praise them to other people. We would praise them, you know, to themselves. And so that is so important. Um, when you're asking people to really play at the top of their game, they need to know it's appreciated. It's recognized. It's valued. You know, that the extra work is like, okay, this is why we do what we do. And so those were really kind of the things that we did to make, it wasn't an us versus them or you versus us, or you're more important or we're more important. It's like, we're all important here. And we all need to show up fully because our patients who trust us at this time in their life deserve us at the top of our game, period. You know, it's very interesting with the principles you're talking about there. And, and I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said about the way to get your organization to that level. And as I'm sitting here listening, I, I am immediately reminded I had a very similar experience in my earlier career. I, I was not an executive leader of it at the top of the house, but I, I kind of was on the track and, and moving up through the ranks. I spent 20 years in a banking organization that was that kind of company. Mm, we, we had all of those values and, and those things you just listed as part of the culture and coming into it as a young adult, just essentially getting started in my, you know, career journey, I, well, number one, I assumed all banks work that way. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Yeah. So why wouldn't they? This makes sense <laughs> to me. And yeah. let's go, let's go do it. Well, all those disciplines you described, you know, celebrating people, nobody's better than anybody else. We're all in this together. Let's let's know the vision. Let's know our values and purposes and principles. And the long story short, and I've spoken of it before on this show, our bank ran off 64 consecutive quarters of earnings growth. That's 16 years in a row oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we kept growing. As a, and, and if you do the math, 16 years, there were some horrible economic ups and downs, right. you know, oil busts, real estate busts, uh, you know, many things that normally blow giant holes in the side of a bank op operation, mm -hmm. but ours was strong. We, we had various disciplines that were all centered on the values that we believed in, and those fundamentally didn't change. They, you know, we stayed true to that. And a lot of it was about giving care to our customers, mm -hmm. you know, to, to draw the parallel with your story. And um, um, so it's it, it, it strikes me as incredibly interesting how two pretty wildly different, you know, business enterprises could achieve the things they did with having those values and those uh, elements in the mix of leadership. And, yeah, and it's that's one of the things I talk about. So I'm like the the framework is agnostic. It you know it does not matter. You know I've had clients all over the map, right? You know our company has helped people from all over the world, regard you know different sizes, different industries, because that expertise about your industry belongs to you as the organization. I'm not going to tell you where to put an oil well. I wouldn't tell you as a bank what strategic decision to make. 
I don't you if you don't know that you've got problems, right? I mean, that's that's your gig to own. But the fundamentals are true regardless. And so, yes, it absolutely were. And it's brilliant to see because there's always going to the underlying approach is the same, but it looks different. You know, I mean, how we would act in our hospital and how, you know, one of my clients was a it was a mid-size energy firm and completely different staff, completely different work environment. And so it looked and felt different there, but it was the same, you know, as we instituted, it was the same approach, but it's going to fit there, you know, and that's the beauty of it. It's not like you will say it like this and you will like it. It's like, no, yeah. right. <laughs> right. Oh, that's not the way this works. So, so speaking of that, then it, it, uh, the question in my mind is, it, it's one thing to have an idea of a business you want to start and you say to yourself, oh, by the way, we're going to use this leadership framework to uh, really make it be that 1% performer. And that's great coming out of the gate. But what about the company that has already been up and running? There's some legacy tradition. There's some practices. There's some behaviors call it culture that already pre-exists. How do you go in as a leader and really start changing that to be able to be one of these top 1% type organizations? A great question because that's you know who we're generally working with, right? Is this people who are already in play. Um, and it's, for me, it's all about, and again, I am making some assumptions, which are not always true for the, for the purposes of this answer. I'm making the assumption that the leaders are trusted. Okay. And that the people in the organization, right? Yeah, you know, it, I mean, I'm, I'm making that as my foundation because that's a different situation that we would walk into. But we're going to assume for the sake of my answer that the leaders are trusted. You know, they're good communicators. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're, they're good communicators. That the people in the organization understand that it's not just about them, which is a big problem today, right? Okay, because a lot of us think it's just about us. But with those things, a lot of it is really just about going, you know, here's kind of where we are. And we can be better jointly. And wanting to be better means we're going to have to be willing to look at things differently, make some different decisions, prioritize, and let some things go. And so here's where we start. And when we would come in, you know, the first thing I'm doing is meeting with the leaders and I'm just letting them tell me from their perspective what's going on. Now, that's the first level because we all have blinders. So what the beauty of somebody from the outside coming in is they see things like right here that you don't see because you just live with it. But it's really saying, okay, here are the things that must be addressed first, because there's always multiple things, but there are always one or two things that are foundational that you have to pay attention to. And generally, they're the harder ones because they've been ignored because I don't want to deal with that. Either I don't know how to deal with it, or I'm afraid if it goes wrong, or I've tried before and it did not go well. So no, 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 no. I'm going to pretend it's not happening. <laughs> you know. So it's really around where do you start? Um, and then how do you pull people in? And it's never going to be a conversation, you know, to put it bluntly, if you suck, we're horrible, we got to fix this, you know, what's your problem? And I mean, if that's the case, then you're not somebody who wants to get to 99th percentile performance. You may want the income, right, or the revenue from that attitude, but you, you don't genuinely want everything that comes with it. Um, financial performance is certainly a metric, just like you talked about with the bank. But if that's where you start, you're done. Right. You're just done. Don't even, don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. Um, and so it's always a matter of where do you start and how do you communicate it? And how do you harness the energy and insight and enthusiasm of your people to take the organization somewhere different? Because that's 
anybody who's worked inside an organization of any size for any length of time has been a part of an organization who thinks that it's a fabulous idea to have 162 goals, right? <laughs> you know, and then they can't figure out why none of them happen. So you've got, you know, you've got the leaders going, we spent all this money, we paid all this money, we're doing this thing, we've given you all this stuff and you're not doing it. And the people are going, are you nuts? We can't do it. And by the way, you're going to change it in two days anyway. So a smart person ignores you. So certainly legacy choices will bite you. I have the the benefit of, in my past life, I had a mediation practice. And for those who are familiar with mediation, the point of mediation is for two parties, could be business, could be people, you know, representing themselves. The goal is that they come to some mutually agreeable solutions that serve them both. In getting to that point, someone has to be willing to kind of call out the elephant in the room, say the hard things, just label what they're seeing. And that was one of my roles as a mediator. So I'm really comfortable when I'm working with clients doing the same thing. It's like, this is what you don't see or you're not dealing with because you've got other things that are on your plate that are really the anchor that's holding you down right now, you know, and we need to deal with this. And and so, but it, it's just, it's being willing to have a candid conversation, not in an ugly way, you know, and then you have to be able to have that with your team and with your organization as a whole. And they have to know that you're going to stick to it and it's not going to be like, well, we'll do it. I call it the plan du jour, <laughs> you know? Right. Where a smart person who works for an organization that does that learns, I'm just going to go la, 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 because in a couple of days, you'll be onto something else anyway. So why should I throw myself behind it? And if we're working with an organization that's done that, then they have to call that out and say, we know in the past, we have done this. And people find that really hard, but it's like, everybody knows. They know. They just don't know you know, right? So you have to acknowledge that, yes, you know. We're going to be well, or, I, and I have seen in a couple of situations where it's the classic emperor has no clothes. Oh, yes. the, the chairman or the founder is is not really listening to to that feedback. You know, right. like you said, everybody knows it, but nobody will say it. Right. And and so the, the head keeps on running and pinging off the walls and doing whatever they're doing, you know, with blinders on. And some of my listeners have heard me talk about this before. I was working with one executive at one point who I, I learned the hard way. This person absolutely refused to believe there were problems existing in, in the do domain. You know, if we had a staff meeting, What's your classic staff meeting? You go around the table, you know, what's going on in your department, your department, your department? Oh, can we fix that? You know, how can yeah. we help? And in, in a healthy organization, that's what happens. It's, but in this organization, you know, to stay, uh, this project's running the ditch over here. Here's what I see. Here's what I'm recommending. Here's what I want to do. This leader was going, that's not a problem. We don't have problems. <laughs> we don't need no stinking problems. You know? <laughs> yeah. So a smart person learns, I don't raise those, which means the organization craters pretty quickly and your good people leave because they don't need that kind of aggravation. Well, and, and the, the literal dynamic that unfolded with this is that people went around essentially behind the leader's back, just getting things done. Because the next level down was responsible. They were dedicated. They understood the mission and they just did it anyway. You right. know, they just went ahead and, and, and we would have these, you know, 
hallway discussions about, hey, can you help me with this? Yeah, I'll help you with that. Okay, let's meeting go. after the meeting, yes. <laughs> the meeting after the meeting. And, and that's the way things got done. So yeah. pretty soon it got to where everybody would go to the staff meeting and it was weekly. And it was like, why do we do this? <laughs> yes, yeah. So we can all say we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> no problems here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a perfect example of, you know, you're, the, the leader is creating that environment that says this is the only acceptable response. Yeah. You know, and then they don't realize it. And I'm not saying I'm exempt from that. You're exempt from that. We all are. We just have to be willing to go. You need to just come tell me. And then you as the leader, the first time you hear something, you need to respond in a way that is really inviting. So people go tell everybody else it was okay. It was okay. I said to Cheryl and, and she said, and it was okay. You know, and then the next person goes, well, maybe it's safe for me to do it too. You know, right. I mean, it's, that's one of the things that people often don't realize because they're so busy with other things is when you lead at whatever level, everyone watches you. Oh, everyone absolutely. watches you. Right? Right. <laughs> right? right. And if you forget that, then it's like, no, 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 no. You need to make that, keep that front and center. Because for a lot of people, it's like, they're just, and this was a realization for me when I first stepped into the role of president. I mean, I'm just doing my thing that what we need to do the way I always was. And I didn't realize how much the floodlight got turned on me. And and so you really need to understand that it does. And that what that, all the ramifications and the responsibility that comes with that. Well, that's that's what I remind all of my clients, you know, whether it's small business owner or senior executive at a Fortune 500, it's like your reputation as a leader is compiled and comprised of moment by moment experiences that everybody around you has. Mm -hmm. And it, it's it's their experience with you that defines your reputation as a leader. It, it's not that big town hall or the shareholder meeting and I'm going to yeah. take podium and we're going to talk about all the great accomplishments that's not leadership yeah you know that's usually some level of showmanship and nothing yeah. else but it the leadership comes in those moment by moment mm -hmm. you know individual discussions decisions on the spot and things like that that you're 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 working with and you mentioned a couple of times, uh, moving on here, the, the whole uh, sort of soup du jour, that 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 sort of uh, whack-a-mole kind of leadership, like, oh, here's a priority today. No, that's tomorrow, you know. And, um, talk a little bit more about how that impacts the ability of an organization to really move forward. Boy, on, on so many levels, right? So the, the first puzzle piece in the B99 framework is really around clarity, you know, and it's why do we exist? It's not to get the bonus, right? Bonuses are cool, right? <laughs> but it, it should be outward focused. You exist to solve a problem for people, make things better for people. What flows from that, the next puzzle piece is calendar. It's like, is the, are the right things on your calendar that are making that thing happen? If you keep changing what's important, first of all, you don't know what's important. You know, when you talked about the bank, the bank went through a lot of different things and a lot of different environmental challenges that may have sunk some banks, but y'all still had a consistent focus. What you did to achieve it may have had to change, right? Um, but nonetheless, you were still going somewhere. And when you have a plan du jour, you scream loudly, we don't got no idea. We don't, 
because we thought that would do it. Oh, shoot, that didn't do it. Well, let's try this too. Oh, well, let's try that too. Oh, I mean, it demonstrates to everyone that the leader doesn't have clarity, the organization doesn't have clarity. And then people who really care just go, fine, I'll just put in my time, right? You know, or they, you know, I kind of call that, you know, they, they leave, but they stay, right? And you can't fault them for it because it's like, you don't know what you're doing. So I'm just going to do what you put in front of me and I'm not going to let you know that it's not getting us anywhere, right? <laughs> you know, or the proverbial dog chasing the tail. And so it, it, it sets the, it, it screams loudly that there is no clarity in this organization, which means if they do get somewhere good, it's going to be a fluke and an accident and not sustainable. Chances are they won't get anywhere good unless kind of like, you know, even a clock that's wrong gets, you know, hits the right time twice a day, right? <laughs> you know, same, right. same thing. But it's so demoralizing because so many people, they want to do something bigger than them. They want to be part of an organization like you talk about this bank. It's probably been more than a year or two since you worked with them, but I could see from your expression and your tone that that was just such a great experience. Right. right. You know, people want that. You spend a ton of your upright hours at your day job or your night job, whatever, right? So it should be something that fulfills you and allows you to grow and 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 do a, you know, and do something for someone besides you right. and get paid for it. It's an exchange, you know, no no question it's an exchange. Right. But, no, but that it, plan it, is your just wipes that out. <laughs> you're right when you when you hit that the that level of that stratosphere of high achieving as an organization, you know, there's a groundswell of pride that comes just for and us in the old style of banking, you know, we all sported these little lapel pins of our brand logo, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I don't see those anymore like we used to. But, you know, it, it was it was a big deal to be able to wear that pin and uh, and represent that brand out in the market, because at the time, you know, you said you're a banker from. Texas Commerce, that was the name of the bank. And, uh, you know, everybody in this region, they went, whoa, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get to work there? Wow, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what it should be. There's no reason why more organizations can't have that experience. It's a choice. Right. You know, I had, I was talking to a, an SVP at a billion dollar company, and she's like, I really like the idea of the, the B99. She goes, but it sounds exhausting. <laughs> and I said, well, is there, depending on where you start, is there work to get there? Yeah. Do you have some things to get out of the way? Yeah. But I mean, I call it kind of like a teeter-totter, right? If you're on a teeter-totter and you've got somebody evil with you, they get off and you go, wham, right? <laughs> you know, the whole thing slams. And so you have some of those big adjustments in the beginning. But as you keep it steady, they're they're like this, these little tiny little adjustments. And I'm like, I'm personally way more exhausted by putting out fires right? By not working in an organization that I'm like to your, you know, to proud to be a part of, you know? And so it's like, I want to do the work. And then, so she's, and she's like, you know, yeah, I can see once you get there, she goes, I just need to kind of refresh how I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I loved her candor because a lot of people wouldn't say that, you know, and, but it's, it, that was kind of her knee jerk. It sounds great, but, but that, but is an indication that, you know, you're not there. Right. If you were there, you'd be like, yes. right. <laughs> well, and I think the thing to be sensitive to in the bigger organizations where there are layers of of the organization, whether it's management or just uh, function, I, I think it's also very tricky to 
have this sort of top-down, you know, initiative. All right, we're going to become top 1%. Here's our game plan. We've adopted the 99 framework, you know, and, and now we're going to start going through this. And even if you're not guilty of a tradition of bouncing around with lack of clarity, there's still a season of time where you inadvertently create, I call it the frozen middle, mm-hmm. that the top of the organization has all, they've socialized, they've talked about it, they've been to the workshops, they've talked to the coaches, they've got the idea, they're, they're, they're sold. Yeah. They're sold, they're moving ahead. But now you've got this next layer that hasn't quite processed everything. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of stuck and, and they're at a place in their journey that, and, and I use this analogy a lot, good people want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. If they don't know what the right thing is, they're going to do nothing because they're afraid of doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nothing is the only choice. (laughs) And so you, you, when you, when I go in and I see organizations where the leaders are saying, I, you know, I feel like my middle tier is treading water. They don't seem to be moving one way or the other. I immediately go to the clarity question, Mm -hmm. you know, are you sure they're clear on how you're seeing this? Yeah. And when they really start digging into it, leaning into it, the answer is no, they're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any change is fraught with tension. You know, Mm -hmm. if you as a human want to change something, whether it's in your personal life or business or work, you're usually more like, oh, okay. But if it's done unto you, even if it's amazing, you're like, your brain goes to, oh. <laughs> and so a lot of it has to be what's on the other side of it. And is it worth getting to? Right. If it's not worth getting to, then yeah, don't do it. If right. it is worth getting to, yeah, everything. We, most of us, there are a ton of things you know how to do that you don't think about anymore. But you had to learn to do all of them. Right. Right. And it's that's true for all of us. That's true for people. That's true for leaders, contributors, organizations as a whole. And we kind of forget that, especially as we get older, because there's so much we've learned already that we're just like, oh, okay. And we forget. Sometimes it was painful to learn it, you know. And so, but it's it's a recognition that if you stop learning, you're done. I mean, you're just done. And sometimes there's discomfort with that, but you have to be, that's no excuse to roll out any initiative, whether it's something like B99 or anything, without really pulling everybody in and going, here's what we're thinking, here's why we're thinking it, what do you think, what what excites you about this, what concerns do you have, how can we bet, you know, I mean, really letting people know that their input is important, because it is, absolutely it is. They will see things that you miss, because they they live in a different space, they deal with different things, and so they'll bring up things that the leader doesn't see you know, to make it stronger, better. So totally, totally. Well, Cheryl, this has been great. I think we're about up on time here. We need to let our folks go on about their days, but uh, tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you. Uh, there was a couple of ways. One, obviously LinkedIn, my company's name is Recalibrate. And so, you know, our website is recalibrate.today, not.com. <laughs> so it's dot today. They can go on there. They can find um, the B99 guiding questions framework right there. Um, I've actually also created a couple of quizzes um, that they can take to see where they're really rocking it and where they're like, oh, this these are the things that I'm not doing so good. I really need to I need to elevate these. And so they are more than welcome to to play with those and take those. They can reach me via email, um, Cheryl at 
recalibrate dot today any of those any of those will work awesome well thank you so much for sharing this and uh really congratulations on all your great work and the the work you do to help others as always folks we're going to have those links and those ways to get a hold of cheryl they'll be in our show notes and feel free to drop down there and click on that and uh you'll you'll get those great helps and guides and things I do like to remind you that we've got a video version of this on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, check out the archives, leave us a comment, give us some feedback, let us know what topics you'd like to hear more about. And for now, we're going to sign off, go out there, make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.